Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. R.J. Reynolds would have hired Uncle Chan as a pitch man. Look at this. This guy's running. Did you run a marathon in three hours and 28 minutes in China last week? I didn't. Maybe I need to start smoking. Either that or start running. I don't know. Or both. SI's Ross Dillinger. If I'm living somewhere and it's snowing on 4th of July, I'm not living there anymore. But plain and simple, I'm not living there anymore. And SI's Pat Forty. Now forget it. I'm riding the bus. Put me on the bus. Boise. Boise. Young Josh Allen, Dirk Cutter, let's go. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to Pod. It is uh, one week to Thanksgiving. It is the time to be thankful for things. And I can tell you what I'm thankful for. Snow action. <laughs> Midweek snow action. It has enlivened this week, that's for sure. Western Michigan... 12, Central Michigan 10 in a snowstorm. Absolutely great. And the celebration, the whole thing. Two long touchdown runs. Kelly Short Stadium. They needed a snow plow. Love it. Love Maction. Probably their best move was just moving games to the week. Just whatever. Oh, Let's yeah. do it. I mean, mm-hmm. captive audience. The victory cannon. <laughs> and did you see somebody made a very lifelike snow span? Not a snowman, but a oh, snow yeah. fan in the stands. <laughs> a snow like mannequin. Life size. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Like super impressive. I, you know. Yeah. They know what to do with snow up there in Michigan. They can handle it. No chicken broth being uh, dispensed, I don't Mount think. Pleasant. That game. No. <laughs> oh, no. Tell us you would have forfeited. That's it. Snow. <laughs> <laughs> snow action. Snow action. This is mid-November. Wait till mid-December when playoff uh, a mid-December uh, playoff game up there in, in an LSU or an Auburn or Alabama have to travel up to Michigan to play in two feet of yeah. snow. Well, they're at oh, el- yeah. they're elevations there oh, yeah. at Mount Pleasant, which is oddly flat as a pancake. I don't. It's not really. There's no Pleasant Mountain. Let's put it that way. Ah, <laughs> uh, but doesn't matter. It's snow. Mm. <laughs> All right, so. We have the uh, we have this odd week where college football decides not to be interesting, and uh, my posit is that it will be interesting anyway. So I want to play a little game because we're all about gimmicks here. 
a weak podcast host needs gimmicks, and I am weak. So we have, by my count, three, four, five, six, seven contenders have kind of tricky games. Obviously, we have U- USC playing UCLA. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, and then North Carolina is playing Georgia Tech. So that's not that would be a monumental upset. But there are basically nine teams with any kind of shot, and I don't really know if North Carolina's got a shot. But seven of them play teams that are either f- between five and five and seven and three. And if there is a if one of them stumbles, it would certainly be a significant upset, but but not you know the total shocker, right? So I want I want to pick which one of these teams should be most concerned. Okay, we have Tennessee at six and four South Carolina. We have Ohio State at six and four Maryland. We have TCU at six and four Baylor. We have five and five Miami at Clemson. We have five and five UAB at LSU. We have seven and three Illinois at Michigan. And we have Georgia at six and four Kentucky. So there's a range there. Some are at home, some are on the road. But this is what I want to know. Who are you, would you be least surprised or what 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 contender should be most concerned heading into uh, week 12 here? Pat, what do you think? Uh, I'm going with the Horned Frogs, and I love them, and I've enjoyed the story and enjoyed this season, but they have played a lot of close games. If this game against Baylor is 10 points or less, it would be their seventh straight win by 10 or less, which would be the first time anybody's done that since Colgate in 1975, uh, which tells you how rare it is for them to be kind of walking this tightrope. So, you know, Baylor's a quality team. I know last week they just like absolutely coughed up a hairball against Kansas State, but Kansas State has made some teams look bad. Other than that, six and four, they still have a little bit of that, you know, Title DNA in him from last year, winning the Big Twelve. Dave Aranda's a good coach. He'll have some. He'll have some defensive plans to deal with the TCU uh, passing game and with Kendra Miller on the running game. So I, I just I think since TCU is always in a close game, this one could be the one that uh, that takes them down. Well, I, I agree. I would I would have said TCU uh, as well, but since since you took it, I'll say by my second. My second pick would be either Illinois or South Carolina to go in and, and actually upset either Michigan or Tennessee. You know, the Vols traveling into a place that uh, is can be pretty pretty wild there in Columbia. And and uh, the Gamecocks have, have played pretty well this season. Second year under Shane Beamer, they're, they're playing pretty solid. So I could see that one being, being close in the same uh, – this probably isn't the best time to be – Talking about Illinois, they've dropped a couple of games that we did not expect over the last month. But, but to go in the big house maybe and and uh, keep it keep it close, you know, defensively they've been playing pretty well most of the season. So, uh, I, I would say one of those two. But but I I'm with Pat. I, I think the most likely is is TCU. Now, I think I picked against TCU. I picked TCU to lose like five of the last six weeks, and they keep coming back to win. So, though this week I picked Baylor, or I picked TCU to to find to win, and so I'm sure that Baylor will win. You know, this this will be the week. You know that that TCU will will fold. 
TCU is a Christian school, and B- Baylor is a Baptist school. Mm-hmm. And I, apparently there's a big difference there. Don't bring religion into this, <laughs> I'm Dan. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, it's a big rivalry. So that is certainly, I don't know. <laughs> I, I do know you can buy Christ alcohol in TCU Stadium, people. but you can't buy alcohol in Baylor Stadium. Okay. Maybe that's the difference. Is that, I believe that was in Leviticus. Um, <laughs> so there's a, just no. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I agree, TCU. I'm going to go with Maryland. I, the the obvious choice is taken. I'm going to take Maryland as a trap for Ohio State. They often play Ohio State okay. They can run the ball. We're pretty far down the list here. I'd be pretty shocked. But I think Maryland's all right. And I don't think Ohio State's been challenged a whole lot. And I like the Maryland rushing attack. Uh, Roman Hemby is a, is a good player. And uh, if they can run the ball, they can establish the run. Have a big game that way. Keep C.J. Stroud off the field. Maybe he got a chance, but we'll see. It's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty wild. Any others that that worry you, Pat? Kentucky could Kentucky rise up? No, no, no. Kentucky's Kentucky's offensive line is horrible, and that is the last thing you need against Georgia because their defensive line will wreck you. Uh, I think Will Levis is in for a very long day of being chased around. I don't see Chris Rodriguez being able to get loose on the run. Uh, you would have to hope for Georgia to play very sloppily offensively, I think, to give you a chance. And I do remember, Dan, to your point with with Maryland, I, I mean, I don't see it happening, but I do remember very clearly watching the game four years ago mm. where Ohio yeah. State barely got out of College Park, 52-51, and it's because Maryland missed, I think it was a two-point pass with a guy yep. wide, wide open. open. Yep in the end zone. So, you know, stranger things have, uh, have happened, I suppose, although not a lot, but you know, that's one to keep an eye on for sure. That was the year yeah. they fired Durkin, right? And, and, uh, they had all the, the issues and, and, uh, I think Matt, Can- uh, Matt, um, Canada, Matt Canada. was the interim yeah. head coach and they had this wide open two pointer to, to win the game. And, and Matt Canada might, might, uh, get the full-time job if they, if they make that pass, oh. oh man, yeah, that was a crazy one. Yeah, fifty-two, yeah. fifty-one. I watched it in Eddie George's uh, restaurant in Columbus, where there were a lot of very, very <laughs> nervous Ohio State fans. So yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know. I don't like any of them. But here's the thing: Are you gonna? Would you bet a seventeen parlay no money line on all seven and just take the favorites? Probably one of them's gonna lose. Right. Uh, Although maybe not, I don't know what odds you'd get on that. But, Probably one of them's going to uh, lose, but it would be a it would be a fun parlay bet. Yeah, I mean maybe that's if you if you're looking at all of them going no way, no way, no way. There's a huge separation between the top and the middle. Then maybe that's a maybe that's a bet. It's bet. Don't take betting advice for me. My my all all of our race for the case is an utter disaster. So <laughs> yeah, the only like, good news uh, about like, the race for the case is that it's close. It's clo- we're like the Big Ten West of gambling pr- predictions. <laughs> That's exactly what we are. <laughs> Somebody has to win, and the, that sweet case of beer is going to taste just as good. <laughs> yes, it will. Somebody has to win. All right. The, the big game this weekend is UCLA hosting USC. 
UCLA blue, what would have been a top 10 matchup, but still seven versus 16 is it's going to be prime time. Uh, it's at the Rose bowl. It's going to be sold out. The uniforms are great. Big night for college football in Los Angeles, which has not had a whole lot of big nights in college football of late. And, um, Game day is not there. They're going to Montana, which is cool. Good to see them do some FCS. And quite honestly, you're not getting anybody from UCLA and USC to show up at uh, at game day at 9 in the morning at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> that many hours before the game. So might as well go somewhere else. But thoughts on this. This is the showcase game. And this is obviously classic West Coast football. It's also Big Ten football. Uh, going forward, how how fortuitous was it for the Big Ten, which would have taken these two schools no matter what, to have to get these get them and then have them start surging towards the top, have these two dynamic coaches, these two dynamic offenses, and kind of have this showcase game. You know, like the SEC took Oklahoma and Texas, and neither team's done anything. Doesn't mean they're not good choices, but kind of cool to have your two teams that you're bringing in provide a pop. Ross, what are your thoughts on uh, on the timing of getting USC and UCLA and what this game Saturday could mean? Yeah, yeah, like what of all the years, right? For uh, for this to happen for USC and UCLA to to both be this good, this is uh, an incredible one. The the one in which they announced that they are moving on in in a couple of years. So that's. I'm sure no fun if you're a Pac-12 person seeing this happen because uh, these were the two teams you're probably rooting against after the news broke. But if you're in, in the Big Ten, you're pretty pumped. Uh, you're pretty excited. I know they're going to have you know, the biggest crowd they've had in years at the Rose Bowl. They've taken off some of the tarps. They're expecting over 70,000 people at the Rose Bowl. So pretty incredible stuff. Uh, should be electric, should be wild, and should include zero defense. <laughs> 55 to 50 final score. Yeah, something like that. So it should be exciting. <laughs> to your point, Dan, Led, do you think that this had any impact on the choice of game day beyond not getting a crowd out there at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Pacific ooh, that, ooh. <laughs> that UCLA and USC, first of all, the game's on Fox, but secondly, they are going to the Big Ten in a move that Fox was very much involved in. I suggest that that's the time you pick an FCS game to go see when the alternative is to go see the, the two prize new acquisitions of the of the Big Ten slash Fox uh, empire. So I just thought that might have had something to do with the choice there. Maybe not. But yeah, it's, I mean, phenomenal uh, timing for for the uh, for the Big Ten and for Fox. It is it is funny, like if. If you put on a continuum, certainly for the last mm, 15 years, like, or 20, really going back to whenever Pete Carroll finally stopped winning at, at USC, 15 years, Texas, Oklahoma here, and USC, UCLA there, like, those two properties moving along in terms of actual football success, USC and UCLA would not be anywhere near where Texas and Oklahoma uh, have been, at least one of them. And and it's funny now that you get to this point where the actual mergers and acquisitions are going on, and all of a sudden USC and UCLA this year at least are the uh, the much more successful properties. So, you know, it's it's exciting for college football in general in a vacuum, and for Los Angeles football fans because, as you said, I mean it's always just a gorgeous setting, great stadium, great uh, 
uniforms. I will be watching with great enthusiasm. But uh, in terms of we'll see whether whether it's going to have any impact on the college football playoff, that depends on USC. If you're the Pac-12, you really, I mean, Oregon losing hurt badly because it you, you were set for a big weekend with this game in Los Angeles and then Utah and, and Oregon playing in Eugene. And, you know, Oregon could still end up winning the league. So could Utah. But but for now, the weekend, the centerpiece is in Los Angeles with two schools that are ditching you. Yeah, I mean, look, Chip Kelly's recruited kind of in a different philosophy than maybe a lot of us expected, but USC isn't. I mean, the key key to these programs is telling all these kids in L.A., particularly all these quarterbacks that are currently uh, killing it in the, S- in the SEC, you don't have to leave. And big nights, big games, big atmospheres can be had here. And that's been a, a hard thing for either of these two teams to – to to set up uh they both play in these absolutely cavernous old stadiums yeah uh, it's it's you know and and the la coliseum is easier to get people to but the rose bowl is not it's nowhere near the ucla campus it's all that so just big nights for football in la are are huge because you've got you you, you want these kids to say hey I'm, I'm staying home i'm playing for one of these two and uh so i think this will be this would be a, a step in that direction because there's a lot of talent, but they all seem to be going somewhere else uh, right now. That's why the Pac-12 is trying to find ways to play as many games in L.A. as possible. You know, I, it's funny. They moved their their title game to Vegas, which is probably perfect. But in the same way, I think SoFi Stadium might be a better recruiting base wise going forward. Definitely. You know, you know, I so mean, we'll see. We'll see. But. Certainly be good. Good night for both things. It could be hopefully an entertaining, entertaining game. The other game out West that I find uh, really interesting is uh, we're going to pick it and race for the case. So let's not pick it, but Boise State and Wyoming playing for the Mountain West, whatever division they're in, either Mountain or West. I don't know. I think they're <laughs> in Mountain. They're the Mountain. They're in Mountain. Yep. That makes yep. sense, right? I still think, like, I, I am still angry at both the ACC and the Mountain West for their ridiculously literal division names. The Mountain and the West, the Atlantic and the Coastal. Come on, man. Do a little bit. I mean, better. the mountains <laughs> that the Boise and Wyoming are in is also West. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, Mountain, the Mountain Division. Anyway, they're playing for it. And what's interesting is, so... Two things. One, Boise State was cooked. <laughs> they were horrible early in the year. Lost a UTEP, like big. Yeah. And they're they're all everything quarterback. Hank Bachmeyer leaves. They fire Tim Plow, their offensive coordinator. They're two and two. Everyone's ready to fire Andy Avalos. And since then, they they've rallied to be seven and three. They've won every game except a tough loss to uh, to BYU. They're undefeated in the Mountain West. Dick Cotter kind of took over as the OC. He was like hanging around there as a consultant and like going salmon fishing or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then they, they have this, I think, redshirt freshman, Talon Green, step in. And yeah. he's been unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he's 6'6". His last five outings, 78 of 117 for 1,097 yards and seven touchdowns. He also can run the ball. He's a freshman, no, like literally no one recruit out of Texas. 
And Craig Bowl, the Wyoming coach, dubbed him a young Josh Allen this week. Holy which, wow. Look at there. Not joking. Yeah, he's he's also got, had six TDs as a runner. Yeah, this is all in a uh, Cody Tucker story. Cody Tucker writes for one of my favorite named websites, covers Wyoming. The website's 7220 Sports, which is the elevation <laughs> of Larry. Elevation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love <laughs> it. Uh, they so painted good- on the wall of the basketball arena. I don't know whether it's at the football stadium, but they want the visitors to It is in the ba- – it's in the – as your visitor tunnel. Yeah. They, they, it's in the visitors thing, like you're not going to get any uh, oxygen. Yep. And I have an old story of Jerry Tarkanian had his UNLV teams up there, and one of their his players – this is how Tark told the story. I don't, it sounds perhaps true or not. One of his players said, hey, coach uh, – I'm worried about this. They say there's not enough oxygen up here. And Tark told them that's only true outside. It's not inside. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it. Uh, (laughs) That's great. great. (laughs) Player like, okay, great. Thanks, coach. I feel better already. Sounds like a chicken chicken dinner circuit story. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that's actually true, but that's. (laughs) <laughs> Old Tark story about playing in Laramie. Anyway, this one's in Laramie. Anyone see Boise coming back? And then I'll get to the Wyoming part, which is also like came back from the grave. Yeah, no, I, I did not. And I, I mean, it's impressive. And you like to see it because that's just a program that's uh, been very successful. A lot of pride in the uh, the development they've made over 20 plus years. And you talk about Dirk Cutter. I mean, he, he birthed the program. That's when they started becoming good. And I covered a humanitarian bowl between Louisville and Boise State in 1999 and 22-degree day out there when Boise won, and that was one of their big steps forward was to win a bowl game against somebody, you know, other than Montana Tech. Uh, And it was also, that was also Y2K. Like, that was New Year's Eve 1999 and 2000. Like, the next day, you're just waking. Remember, there was all that concern. Like, the computers were all going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, like, yep. we're all worried. Like, are we? is, is the plane going to be able to leave? Are we going to yeah. be able to go? Are we going to be stuck in Boise for the rest of our lives? Or what's going to happen here? But Did you make it? No, did for, you make it out alive, Pat? <laughs> yeah. We did. I'm here, to t- I'm here to tell the story. I feel but, like the survivalists, the Y2K people, that was a thing. That oh, was yeah. definitely a thing. The Y2K people were building bunkers and stuff. The world oh, was yeah. going to end. But yes. I felt like they all lived in Idaho, so you would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could have certainly found a bunker to hunker down in, for sure. Man, know? I forgot about that thing. What a what a crock of like garbage that one was. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> people were what legit a- up scared. Oh, Making yeah. A- one of the <laughs> great false alarms in human history. Yeah. You know? Yeah, nothing happened. Planes were going to drop out of the sky and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. But no, I'm glad uh, you made it, Pat. I'm glad thank you survived. You, thank you. Yep. Me too. But if you look at <laughs> Boise's offense since then, I mean, it, Dirk Cutter knows what he's doing. So good for them. I did look. I'm very disappointed. The weather in Wyoming, I wish they were playing today where it's high of 16 or high of uh, yeah 26. It's currently 16. Low of 5, 100% chance of snow. Friday, high of 20, low of negative 4. Oof. Then it gets soft on Saturday. Goes up to 34 with a low of three. Oh, so shit. it's going to be nicer weather than I had hoped for. Oh, that's, that's bikini weather. Yeah, that's bikini <laughs> weather. 
There's a great, it was a great weather day in Wyoming. It once snowed on the 4th of July and there's like pictures of like <laughs> oh. s- snow coming no. down on, uh, during like a, a parade. you like the people oh who got God. their flags out. In the snow. <laughs> oh my God. Hey man, it's Wyoming. Fourth Anything can July. happen up there. I remember yeah. being stunned when I lived in Columbia, Missouri and I was, dro- I drove up in May, early May. I drove up to Iowa for something and they're like, you know, bring a coat. And I'm like, it's May. And like, bring a coat. And, and I drove up there and there was snow still on the ground. I was shocked. And that was May. I cannot imagine it's if I'm living somewhere and it's snowing on 4th of July, I'm not living there anymore, but plain and simple. I'm not living there anymore, but well, not many people have chosen to live in Wyoming. The place has been open for business for a few hundred years, and there's only like a half a million people live there. So yeah, much yeah, of the world yeah. has also looked at Wyoming though. and said, I think yeah. I'll move on. Yeah, I think it's a better good place to drive I'd rather through. not. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It is incredible. Their turnaround at Boise, though, going back to that, has is, is been incredible. I mean, the first part of this season, I mean, they were completely dysfunctional. I mean, it, it was just – it was hard to watch. Like – they got beat down by Oregon State uh, to start the year. They struggled with New Mexico in UT Martin. There were times where they really struggled in those games. They got whipped by UTEP. I, it, it was it was bizarre. And then they kind of went on that ro- that role. They they named um, what, what's his Taylor Taylor Green, uh, yeah, the starting quarterback big, before the game against San Diego State. And yeah, then they just started tearing it up with Dirk calling plays and. Taylor running them. They've scored 35 points, 40 points, 49 points, 28 points, 41 points. So they they have been putting up some serious yardage and points. And uh, it's been a phenomenal turnaround. Really impressive. Says a lot about the quarterback. Says a lot probably about Dirk Cutter, too, back in the fold. How about that? The head coach of Tampa Bay Buccaneers just like three years ago. Yeah. There's so Taylor Green is from Louisville, Texas. He's literally ranked like like 1,200th in the 24 7 rankings, which God bless whoever gets to over a thousand and has to put that list together. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Some poor, yeah. some poor intern at 24 uh, 7. But I, there's times I just don't understand. Like if there's a kid who's 6'6 and can run. Right. Like I, I think you got to at least possible? rank him yeah. 750th. Like, right. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? But it's sort of like you watch Josh Allen. You're like, wait, how did they have nobody recruit him? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, look at how big this dude is. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he's a young <laughs> Josh Allen or old Craig Bowl is trying to throw some extra pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of really fair. Josh Allen, when he was young, wasn't that good, by the way. So if he's no. a young Josh Allen, he's going to throw like a lot of interceptions and be all over the place. But good, good for Taylor. Okay, so the opposite side of this is Craig Bowles, your old school, terrific football coach. And he's done a lot of great stuff at Wyoming. Last season was not it. They had a poor season. Ten transfers right away. Everyone bailed out. They lost their running back to Arizona State. Bad move there. They lost both their quarterbacks and it took a snap. Everyone ran. And there was a lot of this was the the epitome of the program. And Wyoming may as... To Ross's point about the weather, may always struggle with this in people want to the transfer portal, right? You got any kind of talent, any big school will take you. I mean, Arizona State is a is a tire fire, and they still went in there and got your best player, 
right? So this is the transfer portal it, it, it poorly. Now, two things happen. One, uh, Bowles, a great coach, he he goes he goes to the transfer portal. They got they got like five guys out of the Big Ten looking for playing time. They they just reloaded that way. So it giveth and it taketh. But I found this to be one of the most interesting things. He said it in the preseason. And it stuck with me. I was wondering how this would play out. But he said they tried to find out why everyone left. And one of the things was the players felt that they didn't know their head coach. And he was just sort of, uh, 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 he was treating them like an old school way and wasn't hmm. learning about them, didn't have a personal connection. And so he says the first place you look is at yourself is to see where you can improve. One of the things I felt like I needed to get better on was connecting more with our players. I needed to get more engaged and let players know where they stood, where we are going. Not so much recruit them all the time, but I think people want feedback, even if it's negative feedback. They want to know they matter. And I think uh, we could do that a little better. He started eating almost all his meals with the team Hmm. and sitting with guys and just hanging out with them more. And this is an old school coach who made an adjust rather than just complain about the transfer portal, made an adjustment connected with his team. And, uh, you know, they're they're a game from winning the division, which is a hell of a thing at Wyoming. Yeah, that's great. And that boy, some some lessons perhaps to be learned there. Are you listening, Jimbo Fisher? And some other coaches who are had been successful and set in their ways and things are going to hell around you. And like, are you just going to say, ah, this this modern era sucks? Or are you going to do something about changing your own self and your way you, uh, you navigate things? I, again, I go back to what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame when he had the four and eight season. He looked himself in the mirror and said, I got to do some things differently. So good for Craig Bowl for doing that. Because sometimes when... When you're really good at something for a long time, it can be hard to convince yourself that you have to uh, have to alter your approach. Yeah, change is hard, especially for these like older football coaches who have been doing things one way for so long and who had coaches do things the same way for so long, you know, and the like the new generation of kid, the the generation Z is let's just be frank right just more sensitive like more sensitive mentally right and there there's a lot of obviously mental health talk like going on right now like you just can't you can't operate like you have coaches can't operate like they have and the younger coaches think understand that but the 55 50 plus or so or whatever i guess like they don't uh certainly the 60 plus i think Craig Bowles is like 64 65 64 years old yeah, they don't understand that as much, and they don't change, and it leads to poor, you know, poor uh, performance. And uh, so, credit him for like, hey, I need to change. Like, this is what's happening, and we got to adjust to it. It's just, it's like nil too. You know, you got coaches that don't do not agree with it, but they realize like this is it. Like, this is the new thing, and we're gonna have to do it, or or we're gonna be left behind. And it's the same when it comes to the approach to to players. Like you. You can't drive players like you used to into the ground and and have a relationship with them that's more of like you know taskmaster instead of uh, you know they they want more of like friend like you know person you can go and talk to and, and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, he says it's, it's just interesting. Sixty four. I mean, he's been coaching. I guess the seventh or eighth year at Wyoming. He was at North Dakota State. He built that program up, but he's been a head coach since two thousand three. 
and uh, yeah, changed his ways. And they went, you know, they were two and six in the Mountain West last year. They did make a bowl and they did win the the former humanitarian bowl, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. And it was a good call by the Boise Bowl to just go with the potato, oh, just lean into the potato thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't they dump French fries on them? They dump French yeah. fries. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. No. It's, yeah, that's awesome. You, you the humanitarian bowl. That had yeah. to have been fake. Like, that's like the, <laughs> the humanitarian bowl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I mean, you're in Idaho. You got potatoes. Use Let's the go. potatoes. Market Let's the go. potatoes. The Y2K uh, I, box. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Real quick. Just, uh, but on that point of what Ross was saying there, I, I don't know if you guys saw the video slash audio of uh, uh, Tua Tongavaloa talking to Mike McDaniel, the coach of the the Dolphins, who's thirty nine years old, and the the approach, their conversations. It was on the it was on Twitter on Thursday. They were so low key and like almost colleague to colleague as it wasn't coach to player as much. And, yeah. you know, I just think that finding ways now to communicate to, to young people is just so different from a coaching standpoint. And and Mike McDaniel seems like somebody who's kind of figured that out. Yeah. I wonder if Craig Bull can turn this transfer portal into like a Wyoming thing. Like, look, yeah. man, show up, play here, you need a fifth year. You need a last year. We have a lot of, like, you know, he's uh, the unwitting players coach in the unwitting players <laughs> program. And we'll get yeah, you out of yeah. here before it's really cold. I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting, but great <laughs> job by Wyoming. I remember what happens this weekend. When, um, when all, you mentioned it earlier, Dan, but when all those players like left this past off season, it got so bad. I remember, you know, Wyoming did the unprecedented thing, I believe of, like I think it was a statement they put out, and Craig Bowl like tweeted it out, and the university tweeted it out, like basically saying um, we lost a lot of players, <laughs> we're okay, we still have a program, <laughs> and if you're interested, you should transfer here. Like it was bizarre, <laughs> it, it was crazy, like yeah. it was weird. And then <laughs> a couple other schools followed. Yeah. yeah, it was like unprecedented. Yeah, help wanted sign out there. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like when the like with a kicker didn't uh, didn't. Um, Steve Spurrier put like an ad in the student paper once for a kicker after I'm, his kickers were missing or something like that. <laughs> would not surprise me. We need a kicker. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Anyway, all right, I want to, uh, we're going to make the picks in a sec, but I think we all, th- this is a small sample Heisman I'm going to hand out two days early. Oh, please do. Three days early. A 50-year-old runner from China competed in the, I can't pronounce it, marathon, which is in China. Uh, he finished in three hours and 28 minutes, finished 574th, nothing uh, overwhelming there, but he did it while chain smoking an entire pack of cigarettes. <laughs> known as Uncle Chen. Hero. 
Uh, Uncle Chen <laughs> Uncle ran Chen. all 20. Uncle Chen, that's what they call him on uh, Weibo, which is a, uh, it's like the Twitter of China. Awesome. Um, he, he ran all 26 miles chain smoking a pack of heaters. Uh, <laughs> there's pictures of them. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> now there's 20 cigarettes in a, in a pack as 26 miles in the race. So it's like a little one, just over every mile marker. He yeah. just, he done it. He was, uh, <laughs> he had a story written about him in runner's world back in 2017, known as the smoking brother. That's what they called him. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm looking smoked. at pictures now. Oh my God. Yeah. He smoked a pack during multiple. This is the, not the first one. He did it in 18, 19. He ran. Yeah. So that's his thing. He he is not afraid to. He likes nicotine and running. And then, uh, yeah. So small sample Heisman, right? I mean, I feel this is. Oh, yeah. Hats off to Uncle Chen. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Light it up, baby. He, yeah, he ain't going no nicotine patch. He wants the real deal. Light them, smoke them while you're going. It's tremendous. I, I and I will say, Dan, did you cover the 08 Olympics in Beijing? Yes, I did. If you it, like my memory, one of my memory, yeah, one one of my memories of that uh, Olympics was like you go down by where the shops and stuff are. Was the guys that worked in the shops would go outside for their breaks and they would squat down like on the sidewalk and roll their shirts up over their bellies and light up a cigarette. And it wouldn't stand up. They would squat down, like almost like sitting on the ground, like kind of like sitting on their haunches and smoke, waiting for customers to come in. Then they'd roll down their shirt and go in and help the customer. It was, a, it was an interesting look, I will say. A lot of cigarettes in China, no question. A lot of cigarettes. Oh, yes. Uncle Chin, by the way, 50 years old, He uh, he he he's <laughs> aged poorly it, surprisingly too right because he smokes <laughs> yeah. a pack of cigarettes as he's running a marathon shockingly that he looks like he's like 70 instead of 50 but poor poor uncle he does Chen. not look they 50, keep lighting yeah. it up boy i mean if you're smoking a pack while running in three and a half hours how many more packs are you smoking are you, you're you're sitting around? when not running yeah. yes <laughs> yes yeah. i yeah i mean nobody how about the poor guys that are getting secondhand smoke they're trying to run a damn marathon yeah, i would not be happy if i were another runner i would need a smoking be. section in this race <laughs> uncle chen, uncle chen hey man smoke them if you got them i guess back in the day right remember when the like you would watch like mad men and they would try to like they had the cigarettes as they were advertising client and like big tobacco, would they they mm. they pretend they had like a doctor yeah. say it was not bad for you? Yeah, like oh yeah, yeah. Like back in the day, like the tobacco companies would have R.J. Reynolds would have hired Uncle Chen as a pitch man. Oh Look at this. hell yeah, this guy's yeah. run it. You did you run a marathon in three hours and twenty eight minutes in China last week? I didn't. Maybe I need to start smoking. Either that or start running. I don't know, or both, or both. Anyway, Uncle he, Chen, he we're with been- you. We they would have put him on the defense stand in some of those uh, fraud trials for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's pick these games. All right, let's start with this. Bedlam, ain't too many of them left. So start, speaking of smoking while you got them, number 22, Oklahoma State at unranked Oklahoma. Uh, is this the last? This might be the last visit of the Cowboys yeah. to uh, Norman. Uh, be. OU is giving 
seven and a half games at 730 on ABC. Pat, who you got in Bedlam? I'll take seven and a half with the Pokes. Are you kidding me? That's a lot of points. Uh, I, I, I know, like, Oklahoma State absolutely bottomed out at Kansas State at Kansas. Got routed in both those games. Then Spencer Sanders came back. They beat Iowa State. I think they got their feet back under them. Spencer Sanders, their quarterback, who's been really good and also really banged up, said he is absolutely playing in this game. No way he's not. So he will be on the field. And Oklahoma's not good. All right. Oklahoma's lost their last two. They had a brief revival. They beat Kansas and Iowa State, but otherwise they've lost five of their last seven. So give me a touchdown plus uh, with the Pokes. And this game always, I think, means a little more to the Pokes, although they haven't had a lot of success other than last year. But it meant a lot last year and they won. So I'm going to take the Pokes and the points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. That seems like a a lot of points in a in a rivalry game that's that um you know rivalry games are usually pretty tight and emotional and all that stuff and the fact that as pat said oklahoma is just not very good and lost the last two including at west virginia so i don't know that oklahoma state's going to win the game but but certainly cover the seven and a half i uh i'll take oklahoma state to cover in this game even though on multiple occasions this year they've made me out uh to look like a a fool in my personal life while bragging about them being a lock uh, for the week. It's a pretty big number. I'll ride with them again. The season's starting to wind down. So we'll, we'll, we'll take another chance with them. Okay, you guys suck at picking. <laughs> and Vegas, when they do this, this is the rule. Teddy Greenstein's going to text me and say, you broke, violated the rule. No, I'm going with the Sooners. Unranked team, huge favorite at home. The unranked team wins the game. I'm going to say the Sooners are going to win and they're going to cover. The last people I want to listen to are you three. I'm winning hey. that year. <laughs> Wait, Hear that? I mean, yeah. Your picks suck, but so do yours, brother. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a game and a half back, buddy. I, <laughs> I didn't. I, Take that. I didn't see mine. I didn't. You're I didn't uh, see mine. you're uh, <laughs> eleven games below five hundred, and I'm uh, nine games below five hundred in the lead. How about that? Boom. Roasted. God, we're bad. Whatever. Yeah. Terrible. Boise State at Wyoming. We've already discussed it. Broncos are giving 14. Go, Wyo, go as a 14-point dog in Laramie. 7 p.m. CBS Sports Network. Weather's going to be decent. Ross, who you got? Yeah, there's a lot of, like, pretty big home dogs this this week and uh this is another one where you just got the home team with a big old dog and i'm gonna take the home dog so give me wyoming to cover the 14 in uh in the chili uh chili confines of uh of laramie oh, that's that's so many points i i really like i i'm fully convinced boise's gonna win but gosh that's a lot of points they have a young josh allen they have a young mm-hmm. josh allen 14 and a hook? No, no hook. 14 straight. Okay, 14 straight. Ah, forget it. I'm riding the bus. Put me on the bus. Boise. Boise. Young Josh Allen. Dirk Cutter. Let's go. You guys uh, got me so fired up about Craig Bowl that there's no way that I can pick <laughs> against my uh, I, I don't know why. I'm, just, I'm sitting here like, let me play for this dude. What's going on here? Uh, so I'll go with Wyoming <laughs> in this game to, to cover the 14. Uh, I, I like everything about this 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 operation that he's got going. So uh, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Wyoming. 
I did more recruiting for Wyoming in in, yeah. in on this podcast than any national media member has done in the history of the program. Seriously. I mean, I had it going. They're going to send you some of their lovely uh, brown and yellow uh, merch, I think, here, mm. for gratitude for you becoming their recruiter. <laughs> all I want is every Wyoming fan to tell all the other fans to listen to this pod and our ratings don't tank because I spent 10 minutes talking about Wyoming. This podcast better be number one in Casper. <laughs> we better own Cheyenne this week. My God. Casper. Cody, how Wyoming, to kill podcast listenership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Wyoming. Okay. Good, good thinking. Uh, I'm taking Wyoming. 14 is too many. Too many. Ta- I'm taking Wyoming. All right. Iowa at Minnesota. Minnesota's given two and a half, 4 p.m. on Fox. Over under is a meager 32.5. <laughs> Iowa has got this incredible record where they win more if they punt at least eight times. <laughs> Amazing. So 32 and a half is the over-under. That's, that is incredible. Get your naps in. Pat, who, a, you, who you got in this? A 32.5 over-under is just, like, unfathomable. I, I really can't even get my, my, my head around that. But it fits for this <laughs> game because, my God, you were looking at two teams that can't do anything offensively. Since Tanner Morgan is still, we don't know whether he's going to play or not at quarterback for Minnesota. If they don't have him, they got Mo Ibrahim and they got nothing else. And Iowa's defense is not a not a good defense to 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 not be able to run against. And they'll pick you off if you throw the ball. I'm taking the Hawkeyes. As gross, Ooh. as miserable, as awful as their offense has been, they will punt and pick six their way to a. 10 to 9 victory or whatever the what whatever the number is I'm taking them to cover the number. I'm going to go Minnesota. I uh both of these teams have have won their last 3 games after like a mid kind of like a lull in October. Iowa beat Wisconsin, Purdue, Northwestern, and Minnesota beat Northwestern, Nebraska in Rutgers. Yeah, uh, thir- the 32 and a half over under is incredible. That's 16 to 16. That's insane. Um <laughs> in 2022. But uh, here we are. But give me, yeah, give me the Golden Gophers at home. I don't feel real great about it because, yes, Iowa invariably will win some kind of absurd 10-9 to safety game or, or something like that. So, uh, but uh, I'll, I'm going to go with the Golden Gophers at home to win it. Hearing Pat pick Iowa is like finding out that Santa Claus isn't real. Uh, so I can't. <laughs> I have to keep on living with 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 what I've been told. <laughs> Iowa stinks. I'm going with Minnesota to cover. It, it broke me a little bit to hear you fl- flip that side, Pat, uh, just a little bit. <laughs> Someone's got to stay strong. I me still actively, stay strong for the brand. I mean, I ha- actively hate everything about Iowa's offense. All right, that has not changed. And I they won by two touchdowns last week while producing no plays longer than 19 yards and no drives longer than 39. So, I mean, they're gross, but I, I'm, I'm taking them. I have to stay with the Golden Gophers here. I, 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 that's, uh, that's my selection. I'm with Pat on this. Iowa, two and a half points is a ton in a game this small. They're going to punt their way. It's going to be a special teams play. They're going to dominate defensively. Iowa is going to win this football game, uh, or at least cover two and a half. I don't really care if they win or not. 
Next game, number seven, USC at number 16, UCLA. USC is giving two and a half. Uh, Bruins are home dogs, 8 p.m. Fox. Ross, what you think? Battle of LA. Yeah, this one's been like uh, all season. I think the debate has been who's, you know, which LA team is better, uh, USC or, or UCLA. We've been kind of going back and forth and back and forth. If you look at the stats, Everything's pretty close statistically, except, you know, USC is a better passing team. UCLA is a better rushing team. They're, they're very close in total yards a game. Ninth for UCLA, 12th for USC. Points for, points scored, points against, all, all fairly close. I, this is a tight one, and I think it will be a close high-scoring game. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say USC wins in the Rose Bowl, and it keeps the Pac-12 playoff hopes alive and covers that uh, that tiny number of two and a half. Oh, I'm with you. I think, uh, I mean, I this will, as you said earlier in the pod, Ross, be like 55 to 50. I don't see either team getting many stops. Uh, it could be come down to who, who gets a turnover or two as opposed to who gets actually to force the other team's punt team onto the field. So I think USC's getting some players back, I believe, from injury. They will get uh, Jordan Addison, I think, probably back more involved after he missed a couple of games, and he was really a non-factor in the last game. But Caleb Williams, I think, is the best player on the field, and I will take USC to win outright and certainly cover the spread. I think USC is playing for a lot in this game, especially with them rooting for Notre Dame to, to beat Boston College this week. So then next week for their big rivalry game, uh, they will have maybe a, a better win versus a, a good Notre Dame team, which is a, a stretch to say after the beginning of the year. But there's a lot for them to play for, and maybe they get a little bit of help. So in a need-to-win game, I have USC uh, covering versus UCLA. Love Zach Charbonneau at uh, UCLA, but I like Caleb Williams a little bit more, so I'll take the Trojans. Number 10, Utah at number 12, Oregon, Oregon is giving two and a half. Pac-12 after dark, 10.30 on ESPN. Pat, back to you. Yeah, that that number, I think, maybe reflects some concern about how healthy Bo Nix is because I otherwise I don't see it. I mean, Utah's a good team for sure, but I think Oregon is a better team that coughed up a hairball, you know, at the end against Washington. I expect them to bounce back strong. Uh, they have a great home field advantage there. Uh, I think Oregon is certainly more than two points better than Utah. So give me the Ducks. Same thing. Weird number. Really, really weird number for for Oregon to be at uh, at home against a Utah team in in just be a two and a half point favorite. So, which makes me think that Vegas knows something. But uh, give me the give me the Ducks to to cover by a field goal. I'm going to stay away from the uh, the fraudulent Utah that made me look silly on this show. So I'm going <laughs> to stay with uh, with Oregon here, even though they probably made me look equally as much of a goofball, saying that they could just flip a switch at any time and go up 14 after they'd lost to Washington. So really no love for either of these teams, but I'll go with the Ducks. <laughs> I like the bitterness that Sean takes with him into these picks. Yes. You know? Yeah, they're very personal. They're very personal. I'll take the Ducks on that. All right, lock of the week time. Who's got one? I got one. LSU plays host to UAB. 
in in a this last non-conference game of the season before they travel to College Station for a big one because they can uh, keep their uh, college football playoff hopes alive. The Tigers, uh, as you guys remember, two th- year, the year was 2000, 22 years ago, and uh, Nick Saban was in his first year, like Brian Kelly, in his first year. And they hosted UAB for homecoming, LSU did, and Nick Saban and LSU lost, I think, 13 to 10 to UAB, I believe, on like a, a field goal. I don't think it repeats. And in fact, I my lock would be LSU to cover the 14 and a half at home against UAB. Uh, they're going da- back down to the bayou where it's somewhat warm. Uh, they escaped Fayetteville with a win, kind of on a roll here, one what five straight, four or five straight? Uh, LSU has so give me give me the Tigers to cover the fourteen and a half against the Blazers. Certified lock. All right, I'm uh, going to the American Athletic Conference here, and everybody's darling for quite a while with good reason was Tulane or Tulane, sorry, Tulane um, and Tulane, Tulane, and the Tulane Highway coming in from Dallas has got a really hot. Offense coming from SMU. So I am going to take the Mustangs to go in and play a Green Wave team that's going to have a little bit of a letdown. They had the big game there with US UCF. They got beaten in that. I don't see them slowing down an offense that is just blowing up right now for SMU. Their last two games, 642 yards, 553 yards, 7.7 yards per play, 8.1 yards per play. Took a while for Rhett Lashley and Tanner Mordecai and everybody to get on the same page, but they are there now, and SMU is going to win as a road dog and cover. Certified lock. Uh, the entire show it, it has terrified me for my lock of the week earlier uh, with the, the possible upset talk where I had selected TCU covering two and a half uh, versus Baylor. Uh, I'm going to stick with it. They haven't let me down so far this season. Ross picking them to win, it kind of scares me a little bit because that mm-hmm. that might flip mm-hmm. the script on it, but I'll go with the Horned Frogs giving two and a half. Certified lock. All right, I'm going to go bold. What the hell at this point, right? My locks have been good. Uh, Washington is hosting Colorado. Washington is giving 30 and a half. They are playing great. Colorado is prone to giving up a lot of points. And Washington is prone to scoring a lot of points. Michael Penix Jr., uh, they still have something to play for. Washington, Colorado uh, is, uh, is, is running out the season. One and nine, uh, total debacle. I think Washington buries Colorado by more than 30 and a half, and that is a lot of points in a conference game. But I'm going to do it. Uh, go Huskies. That is my lock of the week. Certified lock. There you go. All right, we will be back Sunday to break down week 12, see if any of these big upsets came through, uh, see if anyone else completed a marathon while smoking a pack. Maybe someone <laughs> tries to smoke two packs next time. Tries to yeah. do, you know, go one better. That could be the new Guinness record. How many cigarettes can you smoke while running a marathon? Yeah, let's we up need the more dose. sports. Come on. Yeah. Uh, while chewing Nicorette, like in between, you, you know, you never know. <laughs> Anyway, my my wife would shoot me if she heard me recording a podcast advocating smoking of any kind, much less in a marathon. <laughs> Fortunately, well, she you doesn't tell her to take it up with Uncle Chen. 
Take it up with Uncle yeah, Chen. That's right. Not us. Not us. She will lecture Uncle Chen. Trust me. All right. We'll let it go. We'll get them two together. All right. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Continue to uh, subscribe, especially all our new Wyoming listeners. Come on, people. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your friends about us. Leave us nice reviews. We will talk to you later.